May you live in interesting times. That is an ancient Chinese curse. Well, that Wuhan flu has certainly made things interesting, hasn't it? And that virus that China sent us certainly is a curse. You know, it'd be easy to despair, you know, especially with the holidays coming up and being told you can't meet with friends or family. And I mean, heck, people used to despair around Christmas time when things were normal. What about now? You know, why is that? Why is it that uh, people got a little blue around Christmas time? You know, you could say, well, it's it's the pressure that Christmas puts on. Well, that could be, but there's something melancholy about the holiday itself. I mean, you listen to some of the Christmas music and, you know, and really the Christmas season, I mean, what it's really about is the time that Christians celebrate the birth of the Savior. And I mean, that is a maybe a reason to rejoice or have a joyful time. But behind that story is the fact that, you know, he's he's coming to earth to be crucified for our sins. And that's a little melancholy. All that being said, you know, one should always look for the good in everything. And maybe it's time we look for the silver lining in the black cloud that is this Chicom flu. So, anyway, if you want to hear more, well, stay close to the fire. You have found the frequency of the Enemy Patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over. Welcome to the fire of the enemy patrol. I am the Anomic Ranger, your very own reality scout. And as your reality scout, I give you information that you can use as you move ahead in this adventure called life. But you are the general in this campaign called life, and it's you that makes the ultimate decisions. Me is your humble reality scout. I just give you the lay of the land, so to speak, so you can use these reports and this information as you will. I just tell you what I see. Anyway, if you want to know more, um, you can subscribe so you don't miss one of these reports from the Anime Patrol. You can also take a look at my website. You can find my website at anomicranger.com. That's A-N-O-M-I-C-R-A-N-G-E-R.com. If you don't want to send me uh, an email on that site, well, you can actually on the site itself, you can go through the contact portion. But if you don't want to go to all that, you just want to send me an email and and um, send me a message, you can do so at animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. That's animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. And if you like what I write or what I podcast, well, and wherever you listen to your podcast, give me a good rating, um, subscribe, comment, but most importantly, share with a friend, somebody you think could benefit from this. These little talks that I do around the fire. Now, normally I break these talks around the fire of the enemy patrol into three sections. 
first section is the veneration of the normal man, because I feel that normal people are definitely getting the crappy end of the stick in this society that we're rapidly... I don't know if we're building it or tearing it down. But anyway, the way it's going to be normal is not a good thing, so I like to give the veneration of the normal man some little things to buck up people who just want to live a normal life and then the second part i do the lies we find in our society or the lies found in our society or the lie of the day whatever you want to call it i usually try and pull the wrapping off some blatant lie that just seems to come out in our culture and last but not least i like to give some practical steps to increase your personal agency i mean it's great to talk 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 and i mean that's I mean, that's what podcasting is all about, right? You get in front of a microphone and you talk. So, But it's nice to, or I think it's important that there's something practical to do. And I'm a practical type person. I like to do things with my hands. So it's like, I like to give some exercises, some things that people can do to, well, increase your personal agency, help you think more independently, or at least, as I always say, think differently. Today in the Veneration of the Normal Man, we're going to be talking about, well, it's kind of hard to explain. We're going to be talking about how this Chicom flu is affecting people during this time, which is Christmas. So you're going to hear the word Christmas a lot. I think this is probably one of the years where probably people don't mind hearing it because you're not inundated with it. You're not out and about and hearing Christmas music 24-7 and having it shoved down your throat quite as much as normal. So... Maybe I'll get away with it. For the lie of the day, you guessed it, I'm going to be talking about Christmas again, and there is some lies associated with Christmas, and I'm going to kind of unwrap a little bit of a different... It's not really a lie. It's kind of a, an idea based around truth. Let me pull that one out. And some practical ste steps that we can do, if, depending on how time goes. Hopefully, I will be able to give you some practical steps. And you guessed it, it'll have something to do with Christmas. So there you go. This is definitely a Christmas theme. It's that time of year. And quite frankly, I've always liked Christmas. Well, I shouldn't say always. There's times I haven't liked it. But anyway, so let's uh, move ahead to the veneration of the normal man. And the question you can be thinking about is, well, is the normal man under attack? I alluded to that, so you can think about that. Are normal people under attack? Personally, I think so. I think to be normal is to be under attack. And if anything has come out of this, this whole thing with the, um, the Wuhan flu, the Chiacom flu, whatever you want to call it. And I have some opinions on that that I'm not going to let uh, flourish completely on this podcast. But um, I think most people that have a normal way of thinking kind of have an idea that uh, maybe there's something up with this whole thing. Anyway, the thing you have to ask yourself, this whole idea, this, this, this uh, lockdowns and uh, social distancing and the masking, and, you know, it's like the government has suddenly intruded into the most intimate areas of our lives. And the excuse that they're using is, well, it's a pandemic and, you know, you got to make... 
you know, desperate times call for desperate measures attitude. And it's just like fear, fear, fear is pumped out. And so like anything to do with families or traditions or religion, even association with other people is being, you know, they're right in your face. Now you have to ask yourself, is the Chai Com flu? I mean, that's the excuse they're using. Is it a good enough excuse? You have to ask yourself that question. Is it a good enough excuse? Now, if every time I went to town and wore my mask and stayed away from people and if I drove through town and the hearses were passing us and, and there was funerals in every church and I drove by the graveyard and good grief, look, ah, there's like 10 fresh graves. Yeah, and I live in a town of, well, I don't know, a few thousand. So 10 fresh graves would be really, you know, that'd be worrisome. And um, yeah, there's the usual amount, actually. So each person needs to decide, though. I mean, and if you're watching the news, especially the mainstream news, I mean, they just pump fear, 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 fear all the time. Like, you should be scared. And if you're not scared, then that means you're an evil person. But anyway, long and short of it is some people are worried about this. Others are defiant. It's like, well, this is a bunch of crap. And they're defiant. And, you know, there, there's too much room here to, to judge one another. And I kind of think maybe that's a offshoot of what this is about, is dividing people. You know, that seems to be the only mistake we're making as a society is that, you know, some people are scared, which gives you no reason to morally judge people who aren't scared. And yet scared people, that's often what they do. They get angry. And, you know, and, and those that are ready to fight and those that are ready to say, oh, this is all fake and yada, yada, yada. Well, don't blame people that are actually scared. I mean, if they're not judging and imposing on you, they're just plain scared and they want to stay in their house and, and, and wrap cloth around their face. Well, I guess you kind of got to give it to them and we got to give one another some room on this. Now it's a whole different argument for whether these shutdowns and the mandatory masking and the imposed social distancing, if it even works, because it seems to me if you just, if you drop off all the fear and the, and the, the, you know, the mainstream media, if you, if you, look at the take the narrative away and you just look at the numbers um i'm sorry this is not i mean it's a serious flu i'm not saying it's fake but we've had other serious sicknesses that society hasn't reacted this way to it so now a lot of people at this point they want to blame government and it's possible that there are some high up in the government or sitting around plotting something but I think a lot of it, if you look at your, especially your local governments, say your town governments or county governments, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They're caught between the temptation that where government people always have, which is for power and to tell people what to do. I mean, that's why those people are there. They're those kind of people. I mean, that's why they ran for that office or that's why they got hired to that position because they like telling people what to do. And some of them are very good at it, you know, organizing people. That's why they're there. And the temptation is always to use too much power for them. But the other side of it is the, is the fear of being judged for not taking action. You got to remember that there's a portion of society that just, they're scared. They don't know what to do. This is out of their control. They fear death horribly. And so they don't know what to do. And what they want to do is look around and find somebody to blame. So who easier to blame than somebody in government? You're not doing anything. You're not doing enough. You let people die. So it's very easy, very tempting for government to just say, wear masks and socially distance and you got to shut down and you don't shut down. And so I know normally you don't 
and I, and I don't give any break to politicians who actually like lay down a bunch of laws and then turn around and break them themselves. I mean, that's just wrong. Um, but as far as local politicians who are just looking at what they read on a piece of paper that comes from above and they say, okay, this is what we have to do, like say in a town or a county or something, I, I give them a little bit of a break. They, they're in a tough spot. But either way, having a normal life or being a normal man, well, it's under attack. And the forces of control are using this Wuhan flu, this Chaikom flu, to force societal change. So how do you fight that? You know, there's lots of ideas on that. There's And there's thousands. I mean, you can look on the internet, there's thousands of sources of information that can help you with that question. I mean, as a technical issue. And it ranges totally from being compliant. Oh, everybody should just, you know, do this and do that and to tell, do what the government says. In fact, we should even go for it. And then there's others that are ready to fight a revolution over this. So as far as like, you know, being practical, everything from, you know, more hand sanitizer to loading magazines with ammunition. Um, but I, I think being normal, and this is what I'm going to focus on, being normal involves practicing normalcy it means forcing yourself to be calm and to be normal so i think you need to get the facts you need to get enough facts and numbers in your head so that you feel satisfied that you understand where this is and it could run right up the middle like this is a bad flu this is the minimum that we got to do um but i'm not going to do this and i'm not going to do that and i'm this is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I think is to be normal even during a quote-unquote pandemic. Then do what feels normal. And don't give in to this fear and confusion and separation that is being pumped out. This is the danger. It's not the flu that's dangerous. It's not the virus. It's this constant fear, this constant not knowing what's going on. And this idea that everybody's being separated into groups. Those that agree, those that disagree, those that are old, those that are young, those that are you know, work here and those that don't work there. And it's like this constant division going on. So these are the things we got to fight more so than, than this virus, which quite frankly, it doesn't matter what jurisdiction you look at, whether they've locked down and masked up or they haven't. It seems like this, this virus just pretty much does what it wants to do and does what it's going to do. And maybe we, that's the idea we need to get used to. Anyway, so this fear and confusion and separation that's pumped out by society, don't let them snow you about it being the new normal. I mean, even if it means that we don't go back to an old normal, quit letting them define what the new normal is. They don't get to decide that. The powers that be don't get to decide what the new normal is. That's where they're getting their hooks into this whole thing. So... Let's just work at returning to anormal, a normal, calm way of living. So where do we find this silver lining that's mixed up in this dark cloud mess? Well, I wrote a blog post. It was actually my last blog post that I wrote on my website, which again, you can find at anomicranger.com. And I wrote a blog post called The Wuhan Christmas Blessing. And it pretty much spells it out. So I'm kind of, I guess, riffing off of that a little bit. 
but uh, I'm going to go into a little more detail here. Already have. Um, there's too much fear and confusion out there. You got to give yourself a break from it. You got to get off the media for the duration of these holidays. That's how you can give yourself a rest and give yourself a holiday is turn off all the noise, the outside noise that's coming in from the mainstream media and even from your social media and even from your alternative media. Because we have been just solidly pedal to the metal, heard nothing but problems and rumors and fear and confusion. And you got to turn it all off and, and look around at life. And especially for Christmas, I mean, give yourself a Christmas present and just get off of it and breathe free air that you can breathe right now and eat the food that you have and, and look around at the people that you live with and learn to enjoy it all. Um, you gotta learn to deal with whatever is handed to you. And I mean, if, if what part of your decision is you're going to break some rules and meet with others, well, then you got to have your wits about you. Don't be, have your head in the clouds listening to outside influences. You got to be thinking about how to be smart about meeting with other people. And so you don't get caught. I mean, if, if you got to do that, then you better figure it out. You probably haven't broke the rules since you were a kid. So uh, maybe you should review sneaking around how you go about that. And if you're with a bunch of family that's already been driving you nuts, you've been locked down with them. Well, then maybe what you've done is you've just let things go too much. That's why everything's driving you nuts. You're just wishing it would go away. Well, maybe for the holidays, what you got to do is take control of that situation, take control of those kids or take control of that spouse or take control of the situation and make it into something like, don't get nasty about it, but like force something into it, force whatever, whether it's baking or trimming a tree or doing whatever, like we're going to do this and this is how we're going to be normal and everybody's going to enjoy it. Attitude. And if you're alone, then you got to make the best of it. And you know, in some ways, solitude, especially when you talk about the person that I was talking about before that's been locked up with a bunch of people that driving them nuts. The idea of some solitude would be nice. Well, solitude can be a blessing. So in order to bring about order, one must force normalcy into any given situation. So any small or large rituals that you can do. Now, let me tell you about something here. You know, uh, the big thing is, doesn't matter how you're doing it, no whining is allowed. You're not allowed to whine to yourself. You're not allowed to whine to your spouse. You're not allowed to whine to your kids. You're not allowed to let your kids whine. No whining. Let me tell you where this comes from. Um, we used to go to go hiking uh, with our kids when they were in their teenager years. We used to take a lot of their teenager friends with them. And, and uh, heck, we even went hiking with uh, my parents a couple times. And uh, we had a rule. Whenever we're out with family or extended family or friends, is the rule was, this is rule number one, no whining. Nobody was allowed to whine. It doesn't matter how steep the trail was or how much it rained or how hot the sun was. No whining was allowed. And that was really important. I mean, it didn't matter. If it's pouring rain and you're trying to cook food and, and the, 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 what started out was, was stew and it ended up being soup because it was raining so hard. Well, you had to make a joke about it. You had to do something to um, put the best spin you could on it. 
and that was a rule for everybody. And I remember one time we were out um, hiking, and uh, it was bad. Like, it had rained. Everybody was soaked. Um, it was raining at the camp. We're trying to set up tents in the rain. And I'm trying to cook food in the rain, and um, I'm in full cry. Like, isn't this wonderful how bracing the weather is And to everybody else? And then I noticed this one girl, my daughter's friend, was, was sitting there, and she was kind of hunched up and looking extremely miserable. So I looked her right in the eye, and I opened my mouth to make some comment about how wonderful this was. And she just looked at me, and she narrowed her eyes, and she said, Don't. So I couldn't really call that whining, <laughs> but well, I think I did laugh, but I didn't give her whatever, um, whatever bracing thing I was going to say. But anyway, I was too busy laughing. So anyway, no whining is very important. That's how you force calm normalcy. And that's how you make yourself cope with things. And it's a good discipline to work at. Trust me. You know, the other part of the silver lining to this whole thing, this, this Wuhan flu for the Christmas season, is uh, how many times have you heard, or maybe even said it yourself, that Christmas is too commercialized? How many times has the Christmas season just been a blur of parties and concerts and shopping and yada, 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 on and on and on, and get-togethers and everything else, and it's just a blur, and, and when it's over you almost feel a sense of relief and you're just bone tired because you've just been go, 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 go. Well, this time of season is different, isn't it? Nothing is planned. Everything is more spontaneous. Nothing you do or anything you do is, you feel special, really. Um, nothing you do is forced. So if you do something, I mean, you can easily, you have the perfect excuse, <coughs> excuse me, you have the perfect excuse to just sit at home and with your feet up, but if you do decide to do something, it's going to feel special, especially if you put some kind of effort into it. So keep the season special in your thinking um, because it is a season of magic and it's a season of goodwill toward men. So maybe think about a direct action of kindness that you can do for somebody. I mean, even if it's just giving somebody a smile. Now I know everybody's masked up and everything. Well, maybe what you got to do is pull your mask down and smile. I don't know. The reason for the season is to think about things that are above yourself. I mean, we're going to talk about the Christmas story here in a bit. And really, that's it's, it's about something bigger than you and I. And that may be hard for some people to do because we're not taught about that. We're not taught about how things are bigger than us. We're always taught to focus on our own feelings, almost to the exclusion of everything else. You know, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Well, this is one time maybe you shouldn't think about how you feel. Think about how good you can make somebody else feel. Look for little rituals that you can do, nice things you, you can do. Um, little rituals, even like lighting a candle and, and sitting and looking at it and thinking about it. Reading that book that you've always been meaning to get to after you light your candle. I mean, I guess if, that's, if you're by yourself, you can do that. You can sit down, put some nice music on, read that book, and... Make it a special time to read by candlelight. 
if you're with a bunch of kids, maybe there's that board game the kids always are bugging you to play and you've never done it before and you make a big deal out of, okay, we're going to play that game, whatever it is. If you're the type of person that likes to bake or, you know, do do something like that, but make it a special one, make it a special cookie, make it maybe something you've never done before. Uh, if you're the type of person that needs to get out and do something, go have a socially distant snowball fight, go out. Find somebody to kibitz with. And if, you know, some cops come and try and bust it up, well, throw snowballs at them and run away. Really fast. I'm kidding, sort of. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe that's what people have to start doing. We got to... Somehow I can't see a judge putting somebody away for throwing a snowball at a policeman on Christmas Eve. But anyway, you never know the way things are going. But what I'm saying is do something different. Do something special. Do something. Get out of the, the, the rut that you're in for this season to make it special. Anything that you do is all going to require effort. The point of this is to reject the idea of a new normal and just be normal in and of yourself. The system is working as hard as it can to convince everybody how awful things are, to promote fear. And this f fear turns the entire population, it's like they're waiting and anticipating the end of the fear. That's what everybody, oh, it's fear, 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 fear. The end of the fear is what everybody's looking for. They're not t spelling it out what it is. You know, they, they'll hint at maybe a vaccine. But then when the vaccine, well, maybe that's not really the end. So they're keeping everybody just on, on tenterhooks, just like waiting. Well, what's the end? What, there is no end. You're going to get that through your head. If you're going to be normal, you got to be normal in the midst of this. The only reason they do that is they're trying to motivate everybody to follow their directions to the letter. So if everything is like the, everybody's waiting for the end, the end, the end, well, then when somebody comes and tells them, well, you got to do this, this, and this, they're just, they just line up. They can't wait to do it because maybe that'll get them to the end. There is no end. There's no end to this. And if there is an end, you don't want to know about it. See, everybody has stopped being an individual who thinks for themselves. Everybody has become a herd of sheep, bleeding to be led out of that bad place that we've been led into. This is why it's so important to force a sense of calm and practice normalcy with a discipline and some fun. There is the possibility that things are going to get worse. There are many signs that point to a continuing destabilization of our society. So if my ideas here about how to handle life seems trivial, don't, don't kid yourself. Things like being calm and learning to find joy in the midst of strife, those things are going to be more important than you can imagine. And you think maybe we need to start panic buying food and, and practicing field stripping guns or maybe you know, practicing escape and evasion techniques. Well, okay, yeah, if you, yeah, go for it. There's nothing wrong with preparing for the worst. I'm not against that. But if fear is your only motivation and fun is no longer necessary and seems trivial in life, then what are you surviving for? I think practicing a calm normalcy in the face of trials is a very important discipline. I mean, when you think about the old, during World War II, the old British stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on. That's how they got through the blitz. It wasn't turning everybody into Rambo. It was just making everybody have the right attitude. To be calm. To be normal. 
and to learn to have fun in the midst of it. If you don't think there wasn't a board game played in a bomb shelter, then you're mistaken. So you, this is an attitude that you need to learn. And if you've learned this attitude and you force yourself to be better at prior, prioritizing essentials and, and learning to let go and, and learn to laugh in the face of, of trouble, then your interactions with other people are going to go better. One has to be open to the magic that's life. You know, one of the biggest motivators that I have for doing this talk around these fires, the, the, you know, is when I hear of some young person who's taken their own life because life has gotten so bad, it isn't worth living. And it's like, I, I just look at that and I, I can't, it's unbelievable. You know, chosen suicide instead of moving ahead and taking on life's problems. And, and what a tragic waste that is. Life, even when it's bad, has a magic about it even if it's the tiny little things. Life is a one-time shot. Everyone's going to die. But not everyone really lives. So start treating this life as the adventure that it is. Things are not always going to be easy or comfortable. Often life is painful. Learn to see around the corners and lift every stone to find the tiny magical things that this life is. What, what compromises it? And I must say, Christmas is the very best time to find the best in others, if you're willing to look for it. Anyway, this is the time when we move on to the second section, the lies found in society. And, you know, we're going to stay on the theme. And the theme is Christmas. Now, most of the time, when I go through lies in society, they're over the top and very nefarious lies, but this time maybe it's a little different. We're looking at a little bit more subtle misinformations, if you will. I'll start out with some simple ones. We'll get into some deeper ones. And these little misinformations, what little misinformations, you might ask, that have to do about Christmas? Well, actually, when it comes to Christmas, uh, there's a lot of little misinformations. All right, so you've probably figured out that my tongue is in my cheek a little bit when I talk about the misinformations around Christmas. But there's some people out there that, oh, they just really love to get hold of the misinformation to do with Christmas and tell people like, oh, you shouldn't enjoy Christmas because of some of these. And, you know, <laughs> it's some of it's incredible. I, I, I can't believe it when, when I look at some of it, you know. Um, if there ever was a time of year to see the milk of human kindness flow, it's Christmas time. And, and why is that? You know, there, there's lots of time in life to, to look at the flow of sewage that comes from humanity and the sin that flows out. But we don't spend enough time looking for the good things that come out of humanity. But Christmas time is a, is a good time to, to see it. And, and if you're willing to look for it, there, there's little things, just little tiny things that happen. I was just reading about one someone I know they were it was a few Christmases ago and they were at a at the checkout um at a grocery store and there was a 
a man and a lady in front of him and she could tell that they were had lived a rough life like they might have been into booze or drugs i mean she didn't know but they were trying to count out enough money to pay for their groceries and she looked at their groceries and it was just essentials it was just food and they didn't have quite enough cash and and uh, so they set it to the side and and they went out to the car because they thought they had more cash out in their car and the lady just said you know what she went to the cashier how much is this and i think it was 35 dollars or something so it wasn't very much you don't get many groceries for 35 dollars she said i'm just going to pay it when they come back just tell them and then she literally ran to her car because she didn't want to get caught doing an act of kindness and this was at christmas time so you know there's people out there that are willing to do things like that at christmas when maybe other times maybe they wouldn't so it's interesting to ask yourself why that is but it is true that during that time there's more acts like that are done so but anyway what, what are some of the misinformations okay well let's take on the biggest one first and this is uh, i've had people like get in my face about this Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. That date is a pagan holiday surrounding winter solstice. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and they go in and like the whole, you know, the, the Christmas tree and the Yule log and the lights and the gifts and yada, yada, yada. That's all, that's all pagan in origin. It's not Christian in origin. And to which I reply, yeah, and who cares? Who really cares? I mean, it's a holiday that has been around for a long time. And there's been times in society when people had almost stopped celebrating Christmas. I mean, um, Christianity had taken on as, well, the 25th is the birth of Christ. And then it went out of vogue. And I mean, if you look at the time that um, um, the Christmas Carol was written about, you know, old Scrooge. You know, Christmas had pretty much left everybody's imaginations. Um, it was hardly celebrated until he wrote that book and then suddenly it became in vogue again so you know the fact that jesus wasn't born on the 25th of december is like i i don't really care oh here's another one jingle bells was originally originally written to be a thanksgiving carol the guy who wrote it decided that well there's enough carols about christmas let's i'm going to write one about thanksgiving which is you know very much an american holiday or not totally because canada has thanksgiving too but we celebrate it in october so anyway it was so it was done so close to christmas i imagine people were still singing it from the 25th of november when the americans celebrate thanksgiving to you know it's only four weeks later people were still singing it and it eventually got taken on as more of a christmas carol so i guess like yeah it's still a good christmas carol so whatever uh how about this one uh saint nicholas santa has taken over the story of Jesus and it's evil. You know, and I've even seen people, if you rearrange the letters in Santa, it spells Satan. And oh, it's unbelievable. It's like, okay, you know, I never really thought of it as a competition between Santa and, and the Son of God, but I don't think the Son of God loses a lot of sleep about this human co construct called Santa Claus. Now, I agree. It's take like it's done way over the top. I, I think it's a fun story to tell children, and it, and it, it's a fun time to see somebody dress up in a suit with a lot of padding, or maybe some guys don't need padding or whatever. Anyway, it, it just to me it it just seems like it's more fun. Now, I don't know that I mean, it has been taken 
maybe over the top a little bit, but that's, let's not get overly worried. I mean, of all things to worry about in life, Santa Claus is not one of them, even if he is over commercialized. But how about this one? This one you run into more lately. Christmas is a patriarchal and colonizing pseudo-religious holiday practiced by Western elitist cultures. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's a dang good holiday too. And just like I've been saying, it's a great holiday. And if it's because it's patriarchal and it comes from countries that were colonized and it has religion involved with it and we're an elite culture, okay, I'll take all that. Um, here's another one. Christmas is just a giant corporate enterprise to sell more stuff and part people with their money. Yeah, that's true. It can get too commercialized. And, but really, to, 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 down, to degrade Christmas and the idea of Christmas and what's behind Christmas and all the traditions of Christmas, just because some corporations have figured out how to advertise to weak people, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to throw the whole holiday out just because of that. And here we find ourselves kind of with a double lie. I mean, Christmas is as commercial as you allow it to be. And it's always been like that. A commercial Christmas is very easy to do. It just takes a lot of money. I mean, you can literally buy yourself Christmas. If you have millions of dollars, you can, you know, rent a couple floors in a building and you can hire people to come in and just like you decorate it one floor like a winter scene and another floor of Santa Claus's workshop. And I mean, you could, the sky's the limit if that's what Christmas is about. Is just all the shiny stuff. You know, the other part of that lie, though, is that most people have been sold this commercial vision of what Christmas is. They have allowed the true meaning of Christmas and what the story is about to go by the wayside. So it's kind of like collateral damage. You know, I've just uh, the corporations just want to make money. I don't blame them for trying to destroy Christmas. It's people allowing Christmas to be destroyed. That's the problem. So don't let someone tell you how to celebrate Christmas. It's not about how much money you have. It's an attitude. And I think maybe this Christmas, this one where everybody's socially distanced and, I mean, shopping's not even as much fun when you got to mask up and you can't see people's smiles and you can't, everybody's laughs are muffled. I think if there ever was a Christmas that maybe has a silver lining and Christmas making that silver lining, maybe that silver lining is Christmas tinsel. Just maybe. That people will look a little bit different. They will look to a different place to find what makes it special. And I guess if a person is going to understand the root of what Christmas is about, then you have to look for the original story. But first... Like I alluded to earlier, I have to talk about another little wisp of a lie that a person has to think about before you start looking at the Christmas story. And maybe what you got to look to is your concept of truth itself.
Oh, yeah. Now, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on truth, then you can go back and you can listen to my episode three. I kind of cringe at telling people to go back to my earlier episodes because I've listened to my earlier episodes. And yeah, it was a little rough. Sometimes my music got too loud or too quiet. Or, but I, I'm, I hope I'm improving a little bit each time. And the other one is episode six. I think the biggest one is episode three. But I talk about a truth a little bit in episode six. So if you want to hear more about truth, you can go back to that. So I won't be going into quite as much detail as I did in those. But it's a good background if you want to go back and listen to those. But <clears throat> um, one aspect of, of truth is how we've been groomed to understand what truth is. And we are very much a people in Western society, Western culture at this time that the science and the experts and all that stuff, the respectable news, that's all to be trusted as truth. And everything else is just stories. Oh, where'd you hear that? Oh, wow. That's just a story. I, I listened to such and such a news broadcast and they give me the truth. Or I heard a scientist on this show and he said the truth. That's how we've been. So as long as it's wearing a lab coat and you, you recognize the person's name as an expert and he's on a respectable news station, then you accept it as truth. Everything else is just stories. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's not the way it works. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm anti-science. I mean, I want the folks that build bridges and generate the electricity and, 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 and build really tall buildings. I, I certainly don't want them to be, you know, reading nonsense. I want them to go by the numbers. I mean, that's, that's where you need science to work. So the bridges don't fall down, the buildings don't fall over, and people don't get, you know, sick or something. You want people to, to work with science where science needs to be done. But the meaning of life, uh, science, those two don't go together. So maybe when we're looking about, you know, how the meaning of life. Maybe science, numbers, and experts in media. You know, you think about it. Science, numbers, experts, media, they all work together and they put out what they, you call a narrative. And I've even seen it written that way. It's like, that's the narrative. Okay, and they use the guys in the white lab coats. They use the numbers. They use the experts. I mean, let's face it. You and I as normal people, we don't go out and do science. Most of us don't. We don't go out and... and use beakers of chemicals or crunch numbers or use machines or anything like that to, to grind out uh, the idea of science. We don't. We wait for experts to tell us what the science says. And I think maybe that's broken down a little bit in the last few years. Because a narrative, if they're just using guys in white lab coats, and we've seen this with everything from, well, this... Chicom flu to to global warming or whatever this they, they pump out a narrative and if anybody goes against the narrative well then if you you know you hear alternative numbers well that's a conspiracy theory so they pump out their narrative using these white lab coats and these numbers and and everything and they're just making a story so maybe looking at stories that have stood the test of time when understanding the meaning of life, understanding about people, maybe it's more important. Maybe it's as important as that bridge that stands for centuries. Maybe the stories that stand for centuries. Maybe you need to take another look at them. 
That's why the Christmas story is so magical. That stories and the stories that surround it that go back even more ancient than the actual story of Christmas itself. Some of those stories are as old as time itself. So let me tell you the story in really simple terms and some generalities at the beginning. And then maybe you'll understand the magic that surrounds that story, the story of Christmas. The most ancient tales tell of the human race as created by God and that we rebelled and fell away. But that God still cared about his creation and he had a plan. And that plan was a Messiah and he would be born and he would be a savior. He would break the cycle of rebellion, break the cycle of sin and become a sacrifice for all the wrongdoing and all the problems, and in the end, he would defeat death itself. So hearing his story might be important. To really understand the story, you have to understand the concept of prophecy. Now, prophecy is speaking of something that will come to pass, and then being right about it. It's a tricky business, that is. Now, if it was in enough detail, and it was written down, and then it comes true even in the details... Well, then it's time to pay attention to that story. So the Christmas story has details in it. Details that seem like, why is that in the story? And yet those details fulfill prophecy. At almost incredulous odds, really. So here's the story. About 2,000 years ago, Caesar Augustus, who was the ruler of Rome, um, he declared that everybody needed to be counted so they could be taxed. You notice that some things don't change. I mean, we're talking about ancient Rome. He wanted to know how many people there were so he could tax them. Yeah, see, things, some things don't change. Uh, so anyway, there was this man named Joseph, and he had to make a trip to his hometown of Bethlehem, which is where he was born. And he took with him his espoused wife, who was pregnant by the power of the Spirit of God, as she had been foretold, and she had been told. And um, Joseph was told in a dream about it as well. So anyway, they arrived in Bethlehem to find that all the inns were full. So Mary ended up giving birth in a stable. And she wrapped the baby, who they were told to name Jesus, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And that night there were shepherds in the field guarding their flocks. And they were visited by a multitude of angels who declared the glorious event with praise and worship. Peace on earth, they said. Goodwill toward men was their message. And sometime later, I know that they always show the wise men at the stable, but it was later, trust me. Three wise men from the east showed up. These wise men came to pay tribute. Who were they paying tribute to? They were praying, playing tribute, paying tribute to the king of the Jews. And they knew that he was born because a star appeared that they knew from prophecy again, that would foretell his birth. Now, King Herod, who was king in Judea at the time, he got in a real lather about this, and he was worried because, I mean, when you're a king and there's a king born and these wise men from a faraway country know about it because a star appeared, well, you kind of get in a lather about it. So he tried to tell the wise men to tell him where this newborn king was, and of course Herod was going to kill him. But the wise men were told in a dream to take a different route home. 
So that's the simple version of the Christmas story about the birth of the Savior. And there's so much more to it if one is willing to dig a little deeper. We have the birth of a Savior that's foretold by prophets hundreds of years earlier and a promise to mankind that's even older than those prophets. We have foreign, I use that in quotation marks, foreign wise men who show up due to a stellar sign in the heavens. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big narrative. That's some story. Now you have to ask yourself at some point, what if this is true? Don't you think it's worth, you know, maybe a little more digging? All right, and there ends our <clears throat> um, lies found in society. I realize I kind of jury-rigged that one. It wasn't about all lies, but maybe about truth itself. So important. So we're already on to practical advice. Now, here's where I challenge my listeners to accomplish something. And I always start out the same way. It's a speech that I heard from an older generation, my grandfather, to be exact, and my uncle. Um, when I was too long in the house watching television, which was usually a little bit longer than 30 minutes as far as they were concerned, was too much. So they would go like this, get up off the couch and turn off that boob tube. You ain't going to learn nothing watching that thing. Get yourself outside and do something. Get the stink blowed off you. If this keeps up, we're going to turn into a country where folks all have wide, soft asses and even softer heads. So there you go. Get off your devices. Get out and accomplish something. Like I've said in the past, do something, build something, grow something, learn something. Get out and move around, see what the real real world looks like. I, we spend too much time in the fake world, in the alternative world, the media world. We're not attuned to seeing the real world. We need to reattune ourselves with it. And maybe for this time when, you're, when we're talking about reality, I'm going to give a challenge here now. I always, I always do this. I, I've done different challenges in the past, usually building something or growing something or exercising or doing something. This time it's maybe a little bit more um, cerebral. I mean, it is that season, the season to be inside. It's, well, a lot of places in the world, it's cold outside right now. But uh, snow is deep. But um, being that it's Christmas, your challenge for this round is to read the Christmas story. What a shock, eh? Just been talking about the Christmas story. I gave it to you in really simple form. But I hope I gave enough stuff in there to maybe draw your interest a little bit. That it's more than just Santa Claus and it's more than just, you know, a simple, oh yeah, Jesus was born. Yada, yada, I'll move on. No, it's deeper than that. So not only do I want you to read the Christmas story from the King James Version. I'm not sure why I put, if you don't have a King James, don't worry about it. It's like, read it and whatever. Just read the story. Um, it's in two of the Gospels, I think. I know it's in Luke. Uh, I think there's one other Gospel that has a, a longer Christmas story. Um, but uh, f read them all. A lot of different versions from from different uh, 
they give some of them, I think give it different details, but, um, I've always just read it in Luke. Um, but what I want you to do is not just read the story itself at the beginning, how Jesus was born and, and all the stuff leading up to it, but look up some of the related prophecies. Um, and, you know, I could have done more research on this for you, but uh, I started to, and then I went, no, no, everybody has got DuckDuckGo or Google or something. You can just look up the prophecies and read them, dig them out and read them for yourself. Some of the prophecies that were fulfilled when, when Jesus was born and which ones were fulfilled and how were they fulfilled. So dig into it and read as much around the story as you can. And I mean, if you get interested, well, then keep reading about Jesus. Keep reading about his life. It's very interesting. All right, the second thing I want you to do for a challenge is to do an act of kindness. Now, I mean, to get real points for this, do it to a perfect stranger, like the story I told earlier about paying for somebody's groceries. But heck, I mean, if you're just desperate just to just to fulfill the the challenge, then when you go do a drive-through and you're getting a coffee, just just pay enough money to pay for the coffee of the person behind you. Just something like that. Just just to feel what it's like to do an act of kindness for somebody. But the best one would be somebody that really deserves an act of kindness. Not deserves, that's the wrong word. Really needs an act of kindness. That would be the best. And that one you're going to have to pay attention and you're going to have to pay attention to the people around you. I think as a people, we spend too much time just kind of ignoring the people around us. I know I do. I'm bad for that because I'm, I'm uh, not a very gregarious person. I'm not uh, what you'd call, uh, uh, I'm very much an introvert. I'm not, not an extrovert. So, and I spend a lot of time by myself and I spend a lot of time in, in more, um, I guess you'd say, uh, rural areas. So the people that I do deal with are usually neighbors and I know them. So when I go to a city and there's strangers all around me, I have a hard time even getting in tune. I, I mean, I'm watching people, but I'm not, uh, definitely there's a wall there. So to, to really know enough about somebody so that you can detect, say, somebody that's in financial trouble or somebody that's having a bad day or somebody that needs, just needs a smile or an, a, a word of encouragement, just anything like that. If you can do that little bit of kindness just to tell somebody that they look good or tell somebody that you're glad they're there, just acknowledge them in some way. Just do that one little act of kindness. See, see how it feels. All right. And for the last one, um, I'm not sure about this one. I wasn't going to do it, but you know what? I am going to do it. <clears throat> do one act of lockdown defiance. If you're locked down, then, then do something, do something, nothing. I don't want you to do anything dangerous, but somehow be a bad kid about this lockdown. Have some fun with it. Get used to the feeling, get used to, you know, it's like, it's, it's like being a kid again and your parents told you that you had to go to sleep and you have to stay in your room and you're determined you're going to do something. You're going to sneak out or you're going to read under the covers or you can do something because these people with their lockdowns and all these rules, they're, they're being like nasty parents or something. It's like, you got to figure out a way to work around it or sneak around it or do something around it. And have a little bit of fun doing it. Get a chuckle out of it. Because I think maybe being a little bit defiant is going to get more and more important. Because I don't think they're going to stop this. So 
for your last one is, yeah, do one act of lockdown defiance. Even if it's when you're in the store and you're feeling short of air, pull that damn mask down below your nose and get a breath of fresh air. I trust me, you're not going to kill anybody. This is silly. But anyway, yeah. So that's our, our three that we're, that I'm going to do. So anyway, if you, um, that's pretty much all I got for you today. So if, um, you like the way I do these, um, you should go read some of the things that I write. Like I said before, you can find me at anomicranger.com. Uh, you can send me an email t- at animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. And don't forget to subscribe and review and like and all that stuff. And, you know, things are going to keep getting, I think, weirder and weirder. So don't forget that till we meet again, keep an edge in your knife. Keep your matches dry because life is going to happen to you one way or the other. You may as well take it on as an adventure. You may as well look at your life as an adventure and just learn to live it that way. So, vea con Dios, eh? And I must say for this episode, being a Christmas episode, to everybody out there, you have yourself a Merry Christmas. Christmas.